episode of Polite Bitches, part two of True Crime and Why We Love It. My name's Lauren. And I'm Francesca. Cool. Should we just dive in? Yeah, let's go ahead and dive in. Wait, do we have any life updates or anything we want to talk about? Sure, go ahead. Okay. I'm really loving working on becoming a high-value person. That has been something, since we talked about it, basically this podcast is helping me figure my shit out. Since we did it, I feel a lot better about blocking people Mm -hmm. that don't add value to my life, that it takes a lot to add value to someone's life. Anyone who's not doing that, they're just, they're just done. And it feels really great. I'm still recovering from my hip surgery, but things are getting better. I'm able to exercise like a tiny bit. So I'm getting really stoked about that. I think that's it for me. Yeah, for me, I was teaching summer school, but I just finished um, recently. So I have like three weeks off before I have to start regular school teaching again. Yeah, tiny little break. Yeah, tiny little break, and I'm Mm -hmm. getting ready to move. I'm going to move in with a friend, and so I have to get packed up and get all that stuff organized. Okay, okay. But that's about it for me, just trying to do as much yoga and Pilates as I can while I have time off. Yeah. And... All right, diving right in. Part two, true crime. So where we left off on the last episode was kind of talking about, we reviewed some big serial killers. Yes. Like big cases of true Mm -hmm. crime. And then we were, we were kind of starting to discuss, so how has true crime as a genre changed? And what does that say about us as society? Because media holds a mirror to society, but also Mm -hmm. our behavior reflects how media develops. Back in the 17th century, when we had execution sermons, Mm -hmm. it was all about the criminal and their spiritual journey. Like, they're going to go to hell. This is going to happen. However, even though this person committed a major crime, Mm -hmm. you're committing the same sins as this person, just not to the same degree. Yeah. It was supposed to, like, make people stay on their religious shit. Religious guilt. Yeah. Always keeping people fearful of the afterlife and forcing them to be good people and judgmental and more likely, in my opinion, to turn on their fellow humans Mm. because they have to prove how good they are. That's true. In order to get to that level of heaven or whatever it is. I know in Mormonism it's levels. Levels, yeah. So I don't know how other Christians. Any kind of heaven. I don't know, I guess. And then also it was to restore a sense of safety in the community. Okay. Like justice is being served, you know, don't Mm -hmm. worry as long as you continue to feel guilty about everything Mm -hmm. and do everything right, then this won't maybe happen again. Yeah. And I think I think what you're right, it's holding up a mirror. The more we consume of something, the more that it is produced. Faster, because harder. Because we consume. Yeah. Like, it's, it is, it's just a cycle. It's a snake eating its own tail. Yeah, Like exactly. you were talking about in the last episode. If we are making documentaries and podcasts and people mm-hmm. are profiting off of these tragedies, I feel like some of that money should go to the families. Yeah, I feel like anybody touched by those things yeah. should definitely benefit. I think that doesn't happen because their victims are often people who are seen as less than. And right. that has been a very big problem. Like, restitution is not paid by these people. Right. The tragedy is just left in the victim's direct circle, victim's family's Mm -hmm. direct circle, which is really disturbing. And I hope that changes how much money was made on that Zac Efron movie about Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy. (laughs) I can't even remember. Yeah. I hate all of these guys so much. Did any of that go to any of the victim's families? He had so many to choose, like... So then let's think about that 
people are profiting off of this now. Mm -hmm. Not only are we continuing to focus on the victims who, or I mean, on the criminals who are overwhelmingly white males. Yeah. But also people are profiting from it. Yeah. So does that originally, when there were these execution sermons in the 17th century, it was to restore a sense of justice in some sense. Yeah. Does that happen now with true crime? Yeah. Like, is there a sense of justice? What do you think? Like, does it feel like it helps us feel safer? If anything, it doesn't make me feel safer. Like, I'm glad that particular person got caught, but we know that there are more people out there committing crimes. And just look at things like sex trafficking. There's so much of it going on that we don't even know about, and it's just all happening under our noses. Right. Whether or not you're a victim of that, it just, it's bizarre that there isn't a better way to keep track of, I don't know, safety? What? Like, how do I even say that? Do you know what I'm saying? (laughs) I think I know what you're saying. Okay. But, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, like, the way that true crime has evolved now Mm -hmm. is that it doesn't necessarily restore a sense of safety. Maybe it Mm -hmm. does go back to what you said at the beginning of the first episode, that it does teach us what to do or what not to do. Yeah. To avoid having, to to avoid being crimed. I don't know. (laughs) To being crimed. Um, if you don't want to be crimed, do not pitch, pick don't up. Don't wear that. Don't wear those things. Don't pick up hitchhikers. Don't uh, be a hitchhiker. Be don't be a hitchhiker. Very true. Don't be a vagrant. Don't be a person of color. Don't be a woman. Don't be anybody. Yeah. Don't be anybody except a white man. Yeah. Although white they, men yeah. are more likely to get murdered in the United States than women are actually. Oh, okay. That's Mm -hmm. an interesting, why is that? Why is that? Yeah. I mean, I don't know why that is. Is it because men are more violent in general? I mean, maybe. Maybe it's a testosterone thing. I don't know why that is, but men are men have higher rates of being murdered than women do okay. in the United States. Mm-hmm. They have higher mm-hmm. rates of crimed or just like okay, so I read an <laughs> article being crimed. <laughs> I read, I read an article, um, while I was doing research about mm-hmm. this that said that even though men do have higher instances of being murdered, women have higher instances of being raped, obviously. Obviously. So when women are afraid of having any kind of crime committed against them, they're afraid that that crime will co-occur with rape. Okay. You will be robbed and you will be raped. Okay. You will be like murdered and you will be raped. Okay. You know, whereas men are worried about maybe like, Oh, I don't want to get robbed. Yeah. So, like, women have, like, two worries that we're worrying about. Mm -hmm. I think that's something to think about. Something that I want to bring up, because we're both travelers and we both like to travel, is the safest ranked country in the world for women is Australia. Really? So, Travel Australia, reach out. We'd love to go there and not be crimed. don't want to be crimed. Yeah. So, what are some of the effects of true crime now? Some positive effects, like we've already discussed, are that it does help people make socially acceptable changes in order to uh, be safer. Locking doors, not talking to strangers. Mm -hmm. People don't hitchhike anymore. Yeah. Like, you'd have to be It's very rare to hitchhike. However, some negative effects of watching true crime are increased feelings of paranoia, anxiety, increased fear. Maybe your heart rate increases while you're watching it. Sometimes a freeze response can be activated if you're watching something really scary. Yeah. Inhibited motor behavior. Those are all bad things that can happen, and those all adversely affect your mental health. I literally experienced that two weeks ago. I talked about it before after watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
Hollywood. I was so terrified. Like, I can't even, like, I was terrorized mm-hmm. by the dark. I was so scared. I even had my dog with me and I was still freaked out. Yeah. So I almost called the police. I don't know. Oh my to, goodness. I don't know why I was so scared. Yeah. Like, I don't know who else to call, you know, in the middle right. of the night. No, that, is, I get that. that is very scary. Yeah. There, I did look at articles to see if there's any research done on, like, the psychological effects of watching true crime or why people might like it or if there's a certain type of people who who like that kind of media more. I couldn't really find a lot, although I did find some articles about people with horror movies, like why people like horror movies. Interesting. There was an article that had some qualitative data about how spoilers do not impact someone's enjoyment of a horror movie. Like, Uh knowing what's going to happen does not Mm -hmm. impact how much you enjoy that movie, which makes sense, because we already know the story of a serial killer. Right. Or of any murder. Like, Mm -hmm. before it happens. We know what happened. Yes. Someone died. Okay. You know what I mean? And yeah. so in that sense, true crime is very reliable. Like, you you aren't mm. going to have any big surprises yeah. in terms of what happens. Yeah. Someone did something insanely fucked up. Yeah. So... You're in it for the journey because you know the destination. Right. Is what it sounds like. So there were some theories about why people liked watching horror movies. And one theory, none of these have been tested, I want to say, but this okay. is just a theory that people have, that when we experience a resolution after a period of suspense, it does create feelings of you euphoria for us. So like our neurotransmitters after getting that resolution, Mm -hmm. after this prolonged period of of suspense, our brain is flooded with feelings of euphoria. My question is, does that apply to true crime? That's a good question. Okay. Does it apply to true crime? What do you think? I think it might. What do you feel after you hear these stories? I think that I feel a different way after all of them, Mm -hmm. depending on what it is. But yeah, mostly I guess I would feel disgust. Yeah, disgust. Is there, like, any euphoria surrounding knowing that person is locked up, or... No, and of course, this is a theory that hasn't been tested, Okay, right? So, even for horror movies, which mm-hmm. it's, like, hypothesized that this relates to, mm-hmm. it's not something that's ever been tested. Yeah, okay. Like, I don't feel euphoria around anything about serial killers. Yeah, I feel like I personally stay away th- from those things because I'm too scared, so... And so, the second theory is that anything that builds suspense is enjoyed more because it just creates general feelings of arousal. Like, just generally, you're a little on the edge of your seat, and Mm -hmm. that just feels good to be, like, in suspense. Okay. So that's the other theory, which I think Um, probably applies more to true crime than the other one. Yeah. So we, we like, kind of feeling on edge um, in this... I feel like it's a curated way, though, because mm-hmm. you're choosing to listen to these things or hear these things or see these things. So if you, you know are I mean? somebody who really enjoys that type of media, is that a person who's a big risk taker? Is that a person mm-hmm. who like likes to create feelings of high stimulation in other areas of their life as yeah. well? Because I think that that would apply. Because if we're if you're taking in that kind of media to feel any kind of arousal, then maybe you're the type of person who does other things. Yeah, to feel that way. I mean, and we're not just talking sexual arousal. We're talking oh, like no. just like arousing your brain, just any waves kind of and any kind of cognitive function and stuff like that. Exactly. So, so another thing yes. I wanted to ask is in the beginning of true crime Mm. with the execution sermons it was like you should feel bad for your sins because they are no different than this person's sins Mm. even though they are to a different degree yeah do we feel that way when watching true crime do we feel like 
oh, I'm capable of that too. Oh, no. No? (laughs) I am not. But do you question yourself if you're capable of it? No. Okay. No. I can't imagine. No. I'm, like, way too weird about, like, me. I'm way too weird about, like, cutting things. I don't know. I would never be able to conscientiously hurt someone unless my life was in direct at risk. Does that make sense? Like, Mm -hmm. if someone were trying to kill me, I would do everything I can to make that difficult for them. Right. Including hurt them. So I don't don't understand. Even setting aside serial killers Mm -hmm. and just looking at things like maybe what Casey Anthony did, which we actually don't know what she did, but her Didn't daughter she died. Up? She was acquitted, and I actually okay. do think that she's not guilty, but we can talk about that another time. Okay. <laughs> um, but her daughter died somehow. Okay. And I don't think it was a violent thing. I don't think it was because she hated her daughter. I, I personally believe that Kaylee Anthony died due to maybe, like, neglect or something. Like, mm-hmm. not even, like, general neglect, but, like, mom turned her back for a few minutes and she drowned in the pool. Something like that. Yeah. I think it was something like that that she died. But then the whole cover-up is what makes it so crazy. Yeah. But then that's something that you kind of think, would I do that? Like, if I had a child who died unexpectedly, which is all conjecture, I'm not saying that that's what Casey Anthony happened, would I go to those lengths to cover it up? Like, would I move her body Mm. and then, like, lie and say that she was with this one nanny when she wasn't? Mm -hmm. Like, because all of this is... I think for me, when thinking about it, the only way I would kill someone is... Of course, self-defense. But if it was due to neglect or in an accident, I would be able to admit that. Yeah. You know, because I didn't mean to do it and nothing good ever comes out of trying to hide something That's like that. That's true. And I don't know enough murder science. What's no, it called? None of these people do. <laughs> yeah. None of like, them do. Like To, like, cover it up enough. And I, I just don't. I don't think I would have the motivation to do that because it would have been an accident and I would be able to explain how. And if not, I would rather just serve the time for the accident versus, you know, Mm -hmm. if I had, if it was like criminal, criminal neglect, Mm -hmm. I'd rather just spend the time versus trying to cover it up because you're always going to get punished worse if you try and cover it up. Like if you hit someone and kill them, manslaughter. If you hit someone and kill them and you run away, then that's a hit yeah. and run, and it comes and with... And manslaughter. And manslaughter. Like, so yeah. you you will get more punished. If so. you get caught. If you get caught, which... Which Casey Anthony was acquitted. Paul Flores mm-hmm. has not been arrested. It's been 25 years since Kristen Smart's disappearance. Mm-hmm. Blatantly that, lying will get you pretty far. And the thing about the Kristen Smart case was that was... I'm guessing a deliberate trying to kill someone sort of Well, that was that was deliberate. But my point being that if you're covering something up, Mm -hmm. he wasn't a professional. Yeah. He just blatantly lied to the police. And his dad was in on it. And Mm -hmm. Casey Anthony, it was the same thing. She blatantly lied to the police and her dad was in on it. Okay. Okay. I don't know. Let me also, this is not something that I've researched. It was something that I heard. Or it's a, it's like a conspiracy theory for the OJ. Okay. Simpson situation. So this was a conspiracy theory 
based on the O.J. Simpson trial. This person thought that O.J. Simpson's son is the one who actually committed the crime. Mm. That O.J. Simpson walked in on it and wanted to protect his son, and that's why everything happened. And they brought up several good points. I don't know, like, a ton about all of this, of course. The reason why O.J. got away with it, or supposedly got away with it, was because the gloves didn't fit. Right. As far... If the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. The gloves would have fit the son. The son did hate... The gloves did fit. Yeah. Did you see that? He was like, oh, I can't get it on. <laughs> like, he was deliberately not putting the glove on. Okay. But, but, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Continue. So, the son, it actually would fit on it, and so they believe that O.J. Simpson, like, led the police on a high-speed chase across town so that his son would have enough time to try and mm-hmm. clean up. And there was also blood at the crime scene that was not O.J. Simpson's. It was someone else's, mm-hmm. and they couldn't pinpoint it. It might have been his instead of some other random person. It might have been the sons is what I'm saying. So lots of different little indicators there. Yeah, that's so funny because that's what they say about JonBenet Ramsey as well. They yeah. think that her brother murdered her and that the mom tried to cover it up, okay. which I think makes less sense. I don't, how old was OJ's son at the time? Burt Ramsey was like 10. Okay. And, and she was killed in a very violent way. So I don't think it was, I think it's insane that we think it was the brother, but that is a theory. I like can't find his age. Okay, but he was probably, like, at least a teenager. Yeah, I think, from what I remember, it sounded like he was, like, late teens, early 20s. So, somewhere around there, and he just didn't like her, so... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a theory, right? Like, he was acquitted. No one was... It's never been... No one knows who killed John Benet Ramsey. Yeah. That case was just so poorly handled. Blatantly lying can get you pretty far. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Okay. And would you, what if you had a kid and they committed a crime? What would you do? If it was something that heinous as well. Yeah. I don't think I could cover that up. Okay. You know, like, I honestly don't think that that is in me. Yeah. If I, there is not a reason, self-defense or something like that. There are people who would, though, apparently. Yeah. There are people that do. And it reminded me of this Nietzsche quote, when you look into the abyss, the abyss also looks into you. Okay. So while we're watching true crime, mm-hmm. are we watching it because we're afraid that we ha- we are committing these same sins, but not mm-hmm. to the same degree? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like how it was in the 17th century. Yeah. With the execution sermons. Do you think murder is a base human desire, or to commit murder, or to understand murder? Like, I think... What are we saying is the base human desire. Ever since humans have been alive, humans have murdered each other. Okay. Like, it's a thing that happens. Yeah. Considered wrong. But I think that looking into what you might, you could potentially be capable of if you Mm -hmm. were a different person or if you had less empathy or if you had, were in a different circumstance. Mm -hmm. Like, what could you be capable of? Yeah. Potentially. Would you cover it up? I think the brain is a crazy place. I would be very interested in seeing, like, brain development and what serial killers have in common. Neurologically, (laughs) what they have in common and what parts of our brain are stimulated when we consume that kind of media. Yeah, I would be very interested in reading that. But the the reason I ask that is because mm-hmm. if if media is reflecting us back to us, mm-hmm. is it reflecting that potential 
to commit a terrible crime? Or is it reflecting back our desire to understand why people would commit that crime? I think for me, it would be understanding. I, yeah, I think it is for understanding for me as well. Yeah. But if you feel differently, write in and let us know and we can talk about it. Okay, so now that we've kind of discussed all of this mm-hmm. from the 17th century until now, why do people love true crime? Are we just trying to figure out the psychology of these crazy murderers? Mm-hmm. Or is there another reason? Yeah. Are we, are we doing it so that we stay safe? I think so. That's why I feel like I would... I have a couple thoughts. Okay, let's hear them. I think in a sense, it is a distancing thing. Maybe we are using it to help ourselves stay safe, Mm -hmm. but I also think you feel some distance to what happened because that's not happening to you. Like, you're sitting in your bed drinking a glass of wine, watching something terrible happen to somebody else. It makes you feel, like, safer and cozier knowing that that's not happening to you. Okay. I think, in a sense, it's distancing. Also, in a sense, I think it's distancing because who the crimes are being committed against. If it's happening to people of color and you're not a person of color, is there some kind of connection between that? Is there a class difference? Mm -hmm. We're sitting in our beds, cozy and warm, watching true Mm -hmm. crime, and there's a poor kid who was lured into somebody's car and murdered Mm -hmm. by somebody. Yeah. Or there was a prostitute who was forced into it because of her life circumstance and she got murdered by somebody is is our are we looking down on the crime from our position Mm -hmm. in like a little higher class if that makes sense is it a level of privilege to be able to look down on these things to look at these things with any distance is Mm -hmm. it it's a privilege to do so yeah right? Yeah. So okay. I think that's the thing. I think also making the morbid more commonplace makes it less scary. Okay. I think that's like really valid. Yeah. yeah. If we know all about it, then it's demystified and we don't have to fear it because we kind mm-hmm. of understand the inner workings of these criminals. Yeah. And I think that kind of ties into like, it could be anybody. You never know. We had a whole Dexter. Did you ever watch Dexter? I watched a little bit. Okay. So I watched Dexter all the way. Disappointing ending. Yeah. This guy is supposedly stand-up guy in real life, but then he's this serial killer person, and it kind of questions like who who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Makes you question what people's motives are behind things mm-hmm. and the extents they'll go through to satiate the desires that they have. And it kind of goes to show you can't truly know someone. Another reason why women in particular might be more interested in true crime is it because women are kind of more emotionally in tune and emotionally mm-hmm. intelligent, and so they would have a greater drive to want to understand mm-hmm. the psychology behind what happened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's part of it. And then another thing that I thought was kind of good is I think women love true crime because true crime is marketed to women. Is it? I, How so? I would say so. Yes, I would. Uh, yeah, because it's, again, it's like that snake eating its own tail. Women were interested in true crime, so it's marketed to women, so women are interested in true crime. Okay. And I found this quote. It was from an article about podcasts about serial killers. Mm -hmm. The podcast pay lip service to the idea of action and change by revealing inequalities and injustices to the listenership. They offer glimpses of traumatic and distressing social realities, symptoms of the real, through exposing us to the misery of others and encouraging us to feel their pain through a stylized imaginary. However, this soon disappears in the rearview mirror as the podcast ends without resolution, unfinished and incomplete. Producers and presenters move on to series two, securing lucrative sponsorship deals as the marketing industry of the imaginary seizes this opportunity to access listeners. 
encouraging audiences to consume a range of products, from mattresses to meal delivery services. The same presenters who drew our attention to trauma, injustice, and suffering become the unwitting workhorses of the imaginary as they tell us how these products and services have enriched their lives. As such, in the words of one prominent ultra-realist, ethics and politics are thus incorporated alongside consumption in a dualistic pharmacological form that is both toxic and curative. Some of the audiences may flock to virtual forums, which is the contemporary manifestation of a wound, and they're together but alone they attempt to satiate their desire for endings and conclusions, but eventually take comfort in the new norm of the unfinished, seeking out the instant gr gratification of a new podcast, okay. a new trauma. Yeah. I feel like that kind of that really ties in with like the commercialization who's profiting from these things like you have whole content creators now that are making money and living off of these terrible terrible things that have happened mm -hmm. and where's that money going i mean i just feel like it ties back into the point from that we made on episode eight that if you are profiting from these things you should be looking at the victims the families of the victims and yeah. how you can help them if you are profiting. Right. The mm. commodification of tragedy yeah. is like, this is capitalism is to blame yeah. for why women like true crime. And if you yeah. thought I wasn't going to bring up capitalism, then you don't know me at all. Okay? <laughs> so Because capitalism. That's the moral of this because, because this is a, a huge industry now. Yeah. It so it's going to continue to be marketed to women. So mm -hmm. women are going to continue to consume yeah. it. I mean, once you buy one of those shirts that's wine, yeah. wine, crime, bed by nine, like that's your new thing. You now have to watch world crime and also buy wine. Like they're just double tapping you there. It's just, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you bought the shirt. So yeah, and you bought the shirt. <laughs> so I think like if we were thinking about where we started to where we came from, mm -hmm. it started as like a spiritual journey to make mm -hmm. sure that you are a good Christian. And now it ends with you being a good consumer. You are a consumer of this media and you are a consumer of the products that are sold while you are watching the media. Yeah. Yes, yes, 100%. Because also being a good Christian was a moneymaker back in the day. Ooh. So this has always been probably about capitalism. Tell me more about the money. So along with attending church and being a good church and God-fearing person, there usually is some sort of tithe. Mm, and that's right. the more they can guilt you, the more they can tithe you, the more money they can get. I know in Mormonism, it's 10% of all of your money. They're written off as a nonprofit or whatever churches exist under and don't have to pay taxes. And still the same thing. We're just trying, someone's trying to make money off of these things. That's a good point. Yeah. It's always been about money. The actual root of all evil. Oh my God. It's <gasps> oh true. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Full circle. We're making some big. <laughs> Big discoveries here on our podcast, people. Big discoveries. My yeah. last thought is that maybe true crime. Okay, I don't know if this relates to why it's something that we watch, but just to note that true crime is inherently not intersectional. Okay. Because it is about the stories of white people. Mm -hmm. White people commit all these crimes. I mean, yeah. OJ was obviously not white. But also he's not a serial killer. Well, so. but we're not only talking about serial killers. Mm -hmm. We're talking about like, you know. True crime. True, true crime. crime. Sorry, sorry. They don't have to be serial. They mm -hmm. can be just regular murderers. It's inherently <laughs> not intersectional because it's being interested primarily in the stories of white men, of really fucked up white men. Yeah. And putting them on a weird pedestal. Yeah. Like, 
where we have favorite ones of them. Yeah, and where we give them cool names. And also, the ones that are sensationalized, I feel like their victims are typically those victims that are, like, the perfect victim, you know? Yes, I was just about to say that. Yeah, so I think... I think that's very true. It's not intersectional at all. I think it's anecdotal, or not anecdotal, but usually we just hear about the statistics. He was targeting people of color, whereas usually if it's a white victim, like, we'll know that victim's name and that's true. really get into it. As opposed to just their number. Number mm-hmm. three that he murdered. Mm-hmm. And very recently, there was a white woman in London who was raped and murdered, and they found her her killer, like, super quick. Mm -hmm. I think it ended up being a law enforcement person. And a month before a woman disappeared, a person of color disappeared under the same circumstances, and no one looked into her case. It was hardly even mentioned on one newspaper or something like that. But this happening to a white woman resulted in immediate action, and that's what's so sad about all of this, is that anyone of color or... Yeah, I wonder, I, I mean, is that why white women, is that, like, a weird subconscious thing about watching true crime is that you do kind of feel safe? Like, mm-hmm. will somebody, will will this be looked into if I go missing? Mm-hmm. If yeah. I, if I... Like, if we identify with the victims, right. maybe, is the thing. If my vigilance drops, mm-hmm. will I be avenged? Will someone come looking for me? I hope so. I think so. Uh, yeah, but... Um, but also, I think that is a, a large motivating factor for why we consume these things, is yeah. to see what would happen if that happened to us. Because we are often the victims of violence. Yeah. Or we're mostly the victims of violence. So just to kind of build off of this, inherently, it's not intersectional. It mm-hmm. does maybe make women want to be more vigilant. It does reinforce this idea of the perfect victim. Mm-hmm. So we kind of have an idea of... We have this victim-blaming culture. Mm-hmm. Is is true crime being marketed to women to just keep up with the status quo so that women don't ever feel too powerful? Like, just to remind you, you have to look out. Just to remind you, this yeah. could happen to you. Yeah. And so it's marketed to us to mm-hmm. reinforce the current social hierarchy. Yeah. Okay. It, so you're saying it's there to keep us afraid? Yeah. Okay. What do you think? I think that's a very good point. I agree with that 100%. And part of that is, I think, why we spread it to each other is to, you know, not necessarily to stay afraid, but to maybe even stay alert. Yeah. But I do agree that it could be part of, like, keeping women down. Because this white man could come for you. Yeah. Just so you know, white men can mm-hmm. come for you at any time. Right. And I just think it's so interesting if you actually sit down with your male friends, and I know we have a lot of male listeners, so I just kind of want to throw this out there. Like, how often as a male do you think to put your keys between your fingers in case someone comes at you? How often do you carry mace in your your person? How often do you walk into a public restroom and have to turn off the music on Mm -hmm. your headphones so that you can be more aware of your surroundings. Right. Like, you know. How often do you not wear headphones because you need to be aware of your surroundings? I was listening to music and I got yelled at by, not yelled at, but lectured by someone close to me because I was listening to music on runs in the broad daylight. So it's not even, you know, like I was Mm -hmm. doing anything super risky in my opinion, but someone thought that that was risky because of how these things happen. Which reinforces perfect victimhood. Yeah. You were listening to your headphones though. Yeah. You're not a perfect, you're not a perfect victim anymore. 
Yeah. So I wasn't vigilant, so now it's my fault. And yeah, it's all victim blaming. So it just feeds back into a victim blaming society. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that all of these, I think all of these are reasons. Everything that we've discussed is why Mm -hmm. true crime is big. It's, yeah. And the reason why I wanted to talk about it is because female interests are so often just dismissed. Like Mm -hmm. true crime being a female interest is not something that a lot of people are thinking about because women are silly, you know, like, yeah. oh, they're into true crime, whatever. They're just going to drink their wine and have fun watching it. Yeah. So I think it's like a deceptively simple topic and it's mm-hmm. actually like really complex. And I think it mirrors back to us mm-hmm. some things that we should know about us and be aware of. I think that that's very interesting. I really like that we've dissected. I feel like I've learned a lot about myself or I've learned a lot about myself through these two episodes, just kind of thinking of what my motivation is for the I mean, you don't really consume consume it that much, though. I mean, I do on a very periphery level, but yeah, I'm definitely way too scared. (laughs) Like, I can't, like, emphasize that enough. Like, I cannot handle horror movies anything like that. Just, like, listening to this, it's like, I knew who all of those people were. Yeah. Like, the main ones that you mentioned. I have heard of all of the... I mentioned a couple of stories that I knew of myself. That's what we talk about. Mm-hmm. That's what everybody talks about. That's... It's so out there that even if I'm not consciously choosing to go out and consume this, like, I'm still hearing about it, I'm still learning about it, and I still have opinions on it. Um, and it does intrigue me. Can't face it all the time, because otherwise I won't be able to go outside. Right. That's a really, yep, that's true. I mean, you don't want to be consuming something all the time that makes you fearful. Right. I think that that's, mm-hmm. it's like almost the same psychology of why people watch Fox News. Right. Like it just, it feeds <laughs> yeah. a fear that you feel you need to remain vigilant on and mm-hmm. only this type of media can inform you how to remain vigilant. Mm-hmm. So it feeds your fear so that you remain mm-hmm. vigilant. Like it's like, I'm interested in true crime and I think all of the reasons that I have discussed are reasons why Yeah, it is interesting to people. But yeah. I mean, I'm not really that interested in it in it anymore because I think it's it's too much it's too much and it's bad yeah it's not good I don't want to glorify any of this I don't want to glorify these people who are terrible and disgusting yeah let um, me just let me shout out my sources okay. real quick so the yeah. sources I got all this from Identity and Ritual The American Consumption of True Crime by Rebecca Frost The Bloody History of True Crime by Pamela Berger Why Do You Like Scary Movies by G. Neil Martin and Forever Trapped in the Imaginary of Late Capitalism the serialized true crime podcast is a wake-up call in times of criminology criminological slumber that title gives me a fucking orgasm by yard <laughs> by elizabeth yardley emma kelly and shona robison edwards uh tell me why it's capitalism <laughs> like i love it that's i mean i hate it you hate but i love it you love that your point is proven okay so that's all about true crime why we love it i think we should end on a funny slash cringeworthy okay. uh dating story that i keep forgetting and want to share if you're okay with that. We asked for best worst dating stories. I'm just going to read it word for word because it's so ridiculous. Give me your reactions as we go here. I was on Bumble and dating, but I was in the stage of first date. So, you know, I scheduled a couple just to see how I hit it off with them. I went out with one guy, super sweet, a little reserved. Obviously, he had been burned before, so I knew I would have to tread carefully. So, already she's having to think of this guy and 
and, you know, preserve his feelings. Then I met another guy who was cute, but you could tell he just had a cocky player vibe. So I decided to hang out with him just for fun. We ended up sleeping together. I literally had no intention of dating him. Well, they both ended up following me on Instagram. And when I followed them back, I know this was stupid, but I really wasn't caring. I realized they also followed each other. I just kind of crossed my fingers that they didn't know each other well and that maybe they wouldn't notice I was wrong. One night I was out with a girlfriend and all of a sudden my phone was blowing up. They both confronted me at the same time. Both were in their feels. This sweet guy was pretty much telling me I had lost out on something good and he thought better of me and blah 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 and the other one was pretty much slut shaming me for sleeping with only him. The sweet guy then proceeded to tell me that this other guy does stuff like this to him all the time and couldn't believe I slept with him, etc. I seriously felt like I was being punked. Anyway, the night ended with me telling them both I wasn't interested slash stop contacting me. The player would call me from different numbers, begging me to come hang out with him again. (laughs) In parentheses, what the fuck? (laughs) I blocked him on everything, and the other guy tried contacting me a couple times, and I ended up blocking him as well. So this is a good reminder to just block people straight up once they start getting crazy. It's... It's funny, though, because I feel like both of them were kind of, like, slut-shaming her. It's, like, another one of those, like, good guys. They're like, a little in on it. Yeah. Both of them, too. Like, right. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, like, it's early days, and you had both been on first dates is what it sounded like, and that's just ridiculous. I get it. Yeah, if someone's, like, your actual friend, she already slept with one of them to say, hey, like, I know you have something going on with person B, so mm-hmm. this will be the end of road for me. It didn't yeah. need to be anything other than that but I feel like yeah the both of these guys just I think it was actually good because they both showed their true colors like right away and I actually really appreciate when that happens because it's easier to dismiss someone you know you don't have to mess with any of the games once they show who they are That's true. Um, versus people who make you think that they're a good person for a long time right. and trick you into a long-term relationship with them and then you're far too invested so things happening at the beginning always make me happy versus things happening later on what do you think i mean no i i agree i agree i'd rather see if you suck up front Mm-hmm. Then find out about it after I've emotionally invested. Yeah. So. And I feel like this happened with me too, actually. Not, not quite to this, on a different flip side of the whole Instagram. Mm-hmm. thing. I started talking to someone on Hinge and then he added me, he asked for my Instagram handle and I gave it to him and then I saw that some of my really good friends followed him as well and mm-hmm. I contacted both of them and one said, oh, he's a great guy, really fun. The other guy was like, or the other friend was like, he's on the dating app still? Because she was hooking up with him currently. Oh my god. But he told me, like, as soon as he added me, he also asked the next day because I was just like, okay, done. But he asked me the next day how close I was with that friend. And I was able to say, like, oh, we're really close. Not that we're super close, but, like, you know, close enough to where I wouldn't sleep with... Well, I would never sleep with anybody that I know is, like, current hookup partner. But close enough to where that would never even be an option even down the road if they ended things. So that was... 
done out of the way and he he was also respectful and asked too he wasn't trying to be sneaky so well i appreciate that yeah Mm -hmm. i feel like in her case it happened instagram happened after the fact so there's not much you can do there what can you do what can dating what can you do what can you do (laughs) moral of the story being crime what can you do being crime no matter no matter how great you are yeah a white man can always get you Trick, trick you, murder you. Yeah. So, with that being said, stay safe out there. Stay safe. All of you peoples. Think critically women. about the media you consume. Yeah. Yeah, whether or not we consume it or not. Yeah. You know, but just think of profits and maybe. With that being said, don't forget to follow us. Instagram, Twitter, all of the things. Don't forget about our bookshop.org backslash. Backslash play bitches. Read some of our favorite books. Yes. Bookshop.org supports local books stores which we're all about as opposed to Amazon. Yeah, if you don't want to fuel Jeff Bezos next dildo rocket <laughs> bookshop.org or dot yeah. org. Ah, I can't talk. And with that being said, this has been another episode of Polite, Polite Bitches. Bitches. Bye guys. Bye everybody.